Hey everyone, this is Dr. Nick Hoffman at the Marist School. Welcome to Tales from the Social Studies Department, the podcast where the students tell you the stories that they wish were on the curriculum. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Nick Hoffman at the Marist School. Welcome to Tales from the Social Studies Department, the podcast where the students tell you the stories that they wish were on the curriculum. Hello, my name is Daniel, and we will be talking about the Roanoke Colony, or better known as the Lost Colony. Throughout the ages, there have been many mysteries in American history. One of these mysteries is the Roanoke Colony and its mysterious disappearance in 1587. We will take a deep dive into the history of of the colony and its disappearance. We will also talk about the theories that came up about its disappearance. So first, the history. The Roanoke Colony was the first English settlement in North America. It was founded by Sir Walter Raleigh in what is present-day North Carolina. But before we talk about the colony, we will first talk about the first attempt at settlement. This early colonial project was doomed to fail because of inadequate planning and logistical support. The adventurer Richard Granville was given command of a small fleet which sailed to North America carrying a group of colonists. They left Plymouth on April 9th 1585, with a fleet of five ships, including a 160-ton ship called the Tiger. The crew included Thomas Cavendish, who would later go on to circumvent the globe, and John White, a celebrated cartographer and artist. The disaster started as soon as they started their voyage to North America. In mid-May, the fleet was caught in a storm, and Granville, aboard the Tiger, was blown off course. The Tiger would end up in Puerto Rico, where it plundered a few small Spanish vessels in the Caribbean. Eventually, the Tiger was able to regroup with the other ships. Unfortunately, the voyage's troubles were not over. In mid-July, the Tiger ran aground and seawater seeped into the ship's stores. This accident ruined much of the food that was meant for the colonists. Eventually, the colonists were able to arrive at Roanoke Island. When the colonists first arrived, Ralph Lane was left in charge of the colonists while Granville went back to England for provisions. Initially, there was some trade between them and the Roanoke Indians, but this didn't last. When spring arrived, the food supplies of the settlers diminished greatly. Their relations with the Native Americans also soured, putting an end to trade between them. This put the settlers in a very tough tough position. Unfortunately, the settlers had arrived too late in the season to grow their own food, although very few of the settlers had farming experience, so this method wouldn't have been very effective even if they had arrived before. As the Native Americans were unwilling or unable to help the settlers, relations between the settlers and the Native Americans became more and more hostile. As the relations grew more hostile, Lane was warned that the Indians were planning to attack the settlers. In response to this, Lane struck first and led a raid on the Indians, killing Chief Wingina in the raid. Granville, who had gone to England for provisions, 
later returned the following summer with provisions. But the impoverished Lane and his men had already left and sailed back to England with Sir Francis Drake on June 19, 1586. Upon seeing that there was no one there, Granville left 15 men and two years' worth of provisions so that they could wait for new colonists to arrive. These men were never seen or heard of again. And so came the failure of the first attempt at settlement at Roanoke. So now we will talk about the second attempt at settlement and what would later become the Roanoke Colony. Despite the failure of the first settlement, interests were piqued by the returning colonists who showed off novelties such as tobacco and potatoes which had been acquired in North America. Due to this peak of interest, other, another colonizing expedition to Roanoke was organized in 1587. The expedition was again masterminded by Rayleigh. John White was to be the colony's government and he would be presiding over the 117 settlers. This time, the group, the group of settlers included families, so there were 89 men, 17 women, and 11 children. Each family or male would be given, given land to them, given land by the crown. Of course, the natives' rights to the land were not considered, and the land was automatically assumed as belonging to England since there was no other European presence there. The original plan was to choose a new site in the Chesapeake Bay, the Chesapeake Bay area, but the crew of the expedition ships didn't want to sail up and down worthless waterways looking for a new site, so the colonists were deposited back on Roanoke Island on the 22nd of July, 1587. Naturally, the Roanoke Indians had not just simply forgotten and forgiven Lane's raid on their village and the murder of their chief back in 1585. Due to this, there was really no hope for these new settlers to establish a peaceful trading partnership. This became painfully clear when George Howe, a settler, was found dead on the beach on July 28. In August, the settlers urged John White to return to England to persuade the government to send supplies. John White agreed to go, even though this meant leaving his family, including his granddaughter, Virginia Dare. White arrived in England in October 1587, but he wasn't able to set off for Roanoke until April 1588 with the provisions. Unfortunately, on his way to Roanoke, White and his two supply vessels became involved with a Spanish vessel and were forced to return to England. Then, the Spanish Armada attacked England and any relief for Roanoke was postponed until 1590, three years after John White had left the Roanoke colony for provisions. When, when White finally arrived back in the colony, on, the 16th, on August 16th, 1590, there was no trace of the colonists except for one word carved onto a tree trunk, Croatian. Now we will talk about the disappearance and theories that came with the disappearance. 
So the word Croatain was carved on the trunk, which which is the name of an island about 80 kilometers away. Even though White and his crew had these clues, they were unable to investigate the island because of storms and were forced and they were forced to go back to England. John White was very displeased with this because he would be abandoning his family again. The Roanoke colony then became widely known as the Lost Colony. Nobody has ever discovered the final fate of the Roanoke colonists, but there are many different theories. The most likely explanation is that they were killed by Native Americans in revenge for Lane's aggression in 1585. Some historians believe that the colonists attempt to sail back to England. The colonists attempted to sail back to England on their own and got lost at sea, or they met a bloody end at the hands of the Spaniards. Some say that they moved to another location in the Chesapeake, in the Chesapeake Bay and were killed there by Native Americans while trying to settle. One rumor says that seven settlers survived the massacre of the colonists and they joined the Native American tribe. But not, there are no, there is no evidence to support this theory. Others say that they joined a Native American tribe to overcome their lack of resources and knowledge of the land. A supposed supposed piece of evidence to prove this theory is the discovery of the Dare Stones. The Dare Stones were stones that were carved on by Elizabeth Dare, John White's daughter. The stones supposedly contained written stories that tell the fate of the colonists. These stones are largely considered to be hoax and forgery, but some believe that at least one of the dare stones is authentic. Even though there are many theories, there is no definitive proof to prove any of these theories are true. For now, the disappearance of the lost colony of Roanoke is still a mystery in the history of the United States. Tales from the Social Studies Department is a podcast of the Marist Podcasting Experiment and executive produced by Dr. Nick Hoffman. All views expressed herein are the views of the podcaster and not of Marist School, Dr. Hoffman, or the Social Studies Department at Marist School. Thank you. Tales from the Social Studies Department is a podcast of the Marist Podcasting Experiment and executive produced by Dr. Nick Hoffman. All views expressed herein are the views of the podcaster and not of Marist School, Dr. Hoffman, or the Social Studies Department at Marist School. Thank you.